When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jay Rich, and this is Straight to the Bank. Week one is finally here, and I could not be more excited. I was so excited I had to call my boy Jordan Vanek in. We go through so many games. We talk fantasy, we talk DFS, we talk strategy, we talk team building, player personnel, all these various things. I picked his brain about absolutely as much as I could. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan Vanek DFS. He is the head of DFS for the 33rd team, so make sure you go and check out all of their stuff. I frequently go over to their website and use their 33rd team edge tool. It is great for defense versus position data that I love to look at when targeting players and looking at matchups in fantasy. So without further ado, thank you to Mr. Vanny for coming on the show and let's dive into it right now. I'm ready. I'm going to talk, try to talk upbeat so I don't sound like I'm dying after I <laughs> week one victory lap something. Because like Keon Coleman, I was like, oh man, I don't sound anywhere near as excited as I should. <laughs> so I'm like, hey man, that was back how in excited May. I was, bro. You know how yeah, excited I, know. I was about that. We talked match. about that, like you said, you have the text of us talking yeah. about it, right? So it was all yeah. there. It's okay. all there, right? It's well documented. <laughs> JV, big Keon Coleman guy, 100 yards, nine receptions, three tubs. Yeah. Come on. And it's so nice. The Come highlights on. of them can show up nicely to what I said. Ooh. It's like, yeah, he Ooh. comes down with everything that doesn't matter. And it's like him just mossing two people. I'm like, yep, yeah, that oh. makes sense. Yep, this is it. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. But, yeah. JV, we do have you on the show this week. You are not here to talk about Keon Coleman, but you can if you want. If you can if you want. <laughs> is there anything that you do want to touch on? for college football obviously the people did hear your love of keon coleman back in may we posted that on the youtube channel you got to do your little victory lab week one victory laps jordan i mean come on bro really but for everyone who isn't familiar with my man jordan vanick he is from the 33rd team he is the head of dfs he is the guy that runs that ship over there sorry josh larkey you're great but i know that jv's a big part of that i still love you josh but jv how you doing man happy to have you on the pod I'm doing great, man. And college football this weekend, just just play Devin Leary, pick pick him with okay. two of the receivers. They're playing Eastern Kentucky. Um, either on the main slate for some reason in DFS this week. The receivers are extremely cheap, extremely chalky. But the Eastern Kentucky uh, team just gave up seven passing touchdowns, I think, to Emory Jones. Or eight. I don't remember. Emory Jones only threw the ball like 24 times and threw seven touchdowns. Emory Jones is not a passer. That is not what he is. Devin Leary was getting NFL type, you know, looks last yeah. season, underperformed this season, could kind of have that resurgence like Brock Purdy did in that regard of an NFL prospect early in his career and then kind of dwindled. Obviously, he transferred to Kentucky this year. They've got a McVay guy in there and he underperformed in the first week, but this is a great bounce back spot for him. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a great spot. You know, Remond Davis also, I was looking at some of the analytics profiles from some of our guys. He had a phenomenal week as well, you know, transferring over from Vanderbilt. So excited to see what happens with that Kentucky offense. I know our boy Scott Connor, huge Kentucky fan, actually went to Kentucky. So he's always talking about Big Blue Nation and what's going on over there. But we are here to talk NFL and Jordan because this show is coming out on Friday, but we are recording it before the Thursday night football game. We have to get our takes out there for the people pre-recorded what is going to happen travis kelsey might play now it's reported that the owner of the chiefs is saying that he is potentially going to play he's not going to rule them out they're going to test him in pregame. who do you think wins this game the lions are four and a half point dogs the over under is actually going up a little bit at 53 seems a little bit high for me i was actually thinking about taking a first half under with a Chiefs starting slow and the lions pounding the hell out of the ball and of course your boy chris jones Probably not going to play in this one, but how are you feeling about Thursday Night Football and what is your take to get out there into the universe on Friday after the game has already been played? So the Lions are going to be ahead in this game. I think this is going to have to be a masterclass for Mahomes to come back for a victory. That's kind of how I see it. Like I see Mahomes getting the ball back down by three and it's like either drives for the touchdown, they fail, whatever the case may be. The Detroit Lions are not the Detroit Lions of old. They have six new starters on the defensive side of the ball. The, all the metrics about their past defense should be thrown out the window, in my opinion. I don't think that any of that matters to this season because majority of those starters are on the cornerback position, safety position, and they just brought a different style. Like Brian Branch and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson are two guys that are going to be playing the slot this year. That is where I attacked them the entire season with Wando Robinson and some of the other calls that I made. But this year, they're a little bit different. I think the only player right now that you should be attacking is Jerry Jacobs, as long as Emmanuel Mosley is not playing. Jerry Jacobs had four DPIs last year. He got beat deep. So in this game, the perimeter with Marquez Valdez is kind of where I see the big play coming for the Chiefs if they kind of get it. Or, you know, Sky Moore is a shifty receiver. He can get out in the slot and be able to work a rookie player like Brian Branch, who's going to be coming down in that area of the field. Um, The Detroit Lions, though, I do have one play that is outlandish. It's a GPP play. If you're playing Showdown, just know if you see me at the top, it's probably because of him. Uh, Antoine Green of the Detroit Lions. He was able to make the team coming from North Carolina. The best route he runs is a nine. Um, the Chiefs gave up the nine route, which is a vertical route, deep shot. They gave up 12 touchdowns last year on it. Not saying he's the 100% maximum. He's the best player in the slate. No, he is not. He is $200 in a 200,000 person contest. You got to find a way to get unique. I think there's the opportunity for him to catch a big touchdown in this game. Um, and he's a direct pivot off of the people who want to play Khalif Raymond, who's going to be mm-hmm. popular at 1200. Yeah, I like that. That's a, a very interesting take. Because, yeah, plus 750 to score a touchdown right now. I'm going to have to take some money on that. I was also looking at Jared Goff at 9-1 to one to score a touchdown. Maybe a little sleek, sneak action for Jared Goff in week one. You never know. Jared Goff's sneaky. And I was, uh, the other guys I was thinking about on this Lions offense was the tight ends, actually. Um, you know, everyone will be on Laporta because of who he is and the profile he has coming in. But do you think there's any potential for another tight end to score a touchdown? Because the Lions, after they traded TJ Hawkinson, actually led the NFL in touchdowns to the tight end position. Now, of course, that doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy points. But if we're just targeting touchdowns, do you think there could be some potential there from this Lions offense, you know, that could be missing weapons and may need to get a little creative in the red zone? 
Yeah, their their receiving core is not a red zone one. Like I love Amon Ross St. Brown, but that's not who he is as a receiver. He's going to get you up the field. He's going to get you down the field. He's going to come up with a short completion on third and two. Um, he's a phenomenal player, but that's just not where he excels. For their tight end room, they have three tight ends that are six four plus, like that are capable of coming down with it. Like James Mitchell um, is a very very athletic guy. I mm-hmm. think. If I had to pick between the three of Brock Wright, James Mitchell, and Sam Laporta, I believe that he has the you know opportunity, the most opportunity in this regard, because I think Brock Wright's going to be playing in line. I think Sam Laporta is going to draw a ton of attention. And if you play three tight end sets near the goal line, you can motion James Mitchell. He's athletic enough. He can catch it and just walk into the end zone. It's not a, it's not a high uh, volume play, but it's definitely something that can happen in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, now that I got my questions out of the way, let's talk about stuff that these people actually want to know about for games that haven't been played yet. Unless you want to briefly touch on the Chiefs, you know, I think in terms of starting players, Sky Moore is really the only one to be viable, especially for week one. We have to really see how this offense plays. And I do think the Lions have a shot of winning. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they got a pretty good shot. So I'm going to hedge here and say that the Lions probably cover, but don't win the game. It sounds like you're on the side that maybe the Lions can win this one. Yeah, I think it comes down to Montgomery and Gibbs. Again, you talked about Chris Jones not being there. They have nobody in that front that can defend them. And if Legereus Need goes out there, I think the Chiefs secondary is one of the most underrated things in the entire NFL. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that the big point that you made is that if Chris Jones doesn't play, not just this week, but subsequent weeks, a team that was already really bad against the run and against pass catching running backs will only continue to be bad going forward without Chris Jones. But getting into the first game of the week, on Sunday, the Niners and Steelers, Jordan, a two-point spread in favor of the Niners. This game could be sneaky good. It is in Pittsburgh. We have this Niners offense recently signed Nick Bosa, $170 million. My goodness, his contract is bananas. And Chris Jones must be licking his chops to see a contract that is $30 million above Khalil's Khalil Mack's contract from previously when he signed with Chicago. Absolutely insane. But Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, an offense that was lighting it up all preseason, but still has to go against this Niners defense. Jordan, how do you feel about the Pittsburgh offense? Let's start with them and then transition over to the Niners. So for the Pittsburgh offense, I think this is a great spot for them because I don't think Bosa is going to be playing full-time snap share. He's just getting back to the team. He's just getting his money. He's going to be taking breathers here and there. He's got to adjust to the new scheme that they're running with Steve Wilkes, which is going to be an interesting dynamic for this team. They hired within the last time they lost their defense coordinator, Robert Sala, and obviously hired D'Amico Ryans, who's now with the Texans. I think this is a game where the Steelers will end up uh, winning outright, personally. I think that the Steelers are structured in a way where they're going to be just good on all sides of the ball, but especially on the defensive line. Um, I think that that's where they win this game. I don't think it's going to be a high-performing offense, but I think it's going to be an efficient offense that's consistently putting up points against the 49ers. Maybe they stall out in the red zone just because, you know, 49ers are still great, but... It's a spot where the Pittsburgh Steelers defense line has an advantage at pretty much every single spot except for against Trent Williams. And even with Trent Williams, like they have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, two of the better edge rushers in the NFL. That's a problem for this offense. I think if the 49ers are going to win this game, it has to be on the ground. But they've already talked about limiting McCaffrey's touches. And it's like 
if you're not going to be giving him 25, 30 touches in this game, I don't see the path to victory uh, with Brock Purdy dropping back the pass. I know Kyle Shanahan's phenomenal. He'll get the screen game going. But this Steelers defense is, I think, going to be one of the best in the NFL, probably top five as long as TJ Watt is healthy. And it's going to cause issues for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brock Purdy and, you know, we saw him a bit in preseason and he looked pretty good. But at the same time, this really is his first game action and against a pretty talented defensive line at that that can probably just rush for and sit back in coverage. And I think this Steelers defense is a little bit underrated. And on top of that, having a better offense, allowing that defense to have more breathers this season probably would be a great option for them going forward. And I think will only benefit them down the stretch. You know, week one won't matter as much, but I think over the long haul, that will be great for the Steelers. Do you have any thoughts on this Niners offense against the Steelers? You know, I think we all know it's going to be a lot of Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, a ton of McCaffrey like you're hoping for, but we'll see how they ultimately play this. I think the biggest question is, do you think that Debo and Kittle can perform kind of up to their draft capital? Because they seem to be the guys that are getting a little bit overdrafted, in my opinion. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you got to play Debo versus zone and Ayuk versus man. And that's kind of how the metrics and how they've been utilized. But how do you feel about this Niners offense heading into this season and more importantly in this game against the Steelers? So in this game, Kittle is going to be used as a blocker. He, okay. he has to be. If they don't use him as a blocker, Purdy's going to be under pressure the entire game. Again, the 49ers offensive line is not good. It has Trent Williams, which makes everybody believe that it's very good. But outside of that, it's a very, very questionable unit. And if Trent Williams goes down, they might be a bottom tier offensive line, which is going to kill a lot of what they do offensively um, from that standpoint. But as far as, you know, progressing through the season, I think I use their best receiver. Um, I think that this year, the whole zone metrics, it's it's like, yeah, that's been the case for the past, you know, two years or so. But like Ayuk has been developing and Ayuk has the talent to be one of the top, not I guess like the Justin Jeffersons of the world, but I think <laughs> he could be the borderline like Stefan Diggs type players. And wow, okay. um, I have high praise for Brandon Ayuk. I think he's a complete wide receiver. So they're going to be able to use Debo. They're going to be able to use Ayuk in this game. But I think it's a it's a Kittle no show um, on the stat. Really? All right. Fade George Kittle. Okay. That people are not gonna be happy to hear that. And to your point, I mean, only a 41 and a half point over under. So not expecting a ton of points in this game. Probably a lot of defense, heavy running game. Um, You know, hopefully Kenny Pickett can see, can do similar things we saw in preseason, but against the Niners defense, it definitely will be tough. Let's move on to the next game on the slate, because I got to ask you about the Bucks because I feel like the Bucks are a little bit underrated. Like they are playing the Vikings on the road, I don't think we have to touch on the Vikings a ton. I do want to ask you a little bit about their running back room, but we fully expect a heavy dose of Justin Jefferson. We'll see what happens with Jordan Addison in week one and then a decent dose of KJ Osborne, obviously. But against this Bucks team that isn't expected to be great, not put up a ton of points, it's still only a six-point spread, though. So how do you feel about this Bucks offense? I mean, I believe Baker Mayfield is confirmed the starter. And then obviously Mike Evans should play, but we know that his whole contract situation is a whole thing. And he sent them a deal and we don't know, but he should be playing and everybody else. But how do you feel about this Bucks offense overall? And do you think Sean Tucker can be a thing in 23? Because Jordan, I don't know if you saw RB2 on the depth chart, undrafted running back Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. Talk to me about the Bucks. So for the Buccaneers, the first starter that I'll have is that Brian Flores is going to make Baker pay. I mean, I think that he's just going to dominate that side of the ball just because he blitzes so much. He makes him uncomfortable. And 
Again, Brian Flores, when he was in Miami, if you look back, they got killed by the great quarterbacks, the Brady's, mm-hmm. the Allen's, Mahomes, X, Y, and Z. But then they thoroughly dominated the quarterbacks that weren't above, you know, average or league average. So it's a spot for me where I don't know if this Bucks offense showcases at all in this particular matchup. Um, if it's going to be anybody, it's going to have to be Mike Evans down the field. Yeah. That is where you beat your Brian Flores defense. It's not going to be Chris Godwin over the middle. That's not you're not going to be comfortable throwing. You're going to have to throw to the boundary and beat your man one-on-one. Um, the Vikings aren't going to be the Vikings of last year on the defensive side of the ball. Literally a flip of the switch. I wrote about it in, I believe, April or maybe even March about the impact Brian Flores is going to make onto this Vikings defense. And this week one matchup is kind of where it will show. On DraftKings, the Vikings are the second most expensive defense. DraftKings adapted to that pretty early. I was looking to play a 2300 Vikings defense, but instead DraftKings said, nope, we're going to make them the second most expensive one because we fear the Bucks." As far as Sean Tucker, I'm intrigued. I loved him as a prospect, but then the medical issues and undrafted, Mm -hmm. it makes you like, okay, like maybe he's not that guy and not everybody's supposed to be. Um, At Syracuse, he was phenomenal. And then obviously he found his way to the Bucks. I thought that was intriguing because I felt like he could win the RB2 spot, and now he is. And that's a very good pick for late-round fantasy drafts. Wouldn't expect him to have much work. I think this is like a 65-35 split to begin. Yeah. Um, but they do have Seattle's offensive coordinator who didn't exactly work horse running back unless he got forced to. So mm-hmm. we could see some split early on, even though Rashad White is a, is a complete running back. Yeah. And so then now the turning to the other side in the Minnesota Vikings, how do you think that running back room is going to play out early in the year? Because I think we fully expect Alexander Madison to get a shot. The question is, can he actually take the reins on the job? Miles um, Gaskin obviously signed there, a guy who has been, you know, when I looked at the numbers, as productive essentially as Madison has been. They were in the same draft class. They have very similar production. You know, Gaskin does a little bit more through the air than Madison does. And then there's still the factor of Ty Chandler, a player that I know that Ray loved in the draft process, didn't ultimately get the capital. But, you know, we saw what he did in college and we saw the talent a little bit in the preseason as well. I think we all know what Jefferson's going to do. So I don't need you to touch on him, but feel free to if you'd like. And then as well, how you feel about these receivers early in the year and kind of what you expect to see from rookie Jordan Addison. So for the running back room, I'm not a believer in Alexander Madison. I don't okay. think he should yeah. be the uh, the starter. Um, like, sorry, I don't think he should be the full time starter. I don't think this should be a huge workload year for him. Um, behind the same offensive line, if you compare the metrics between him and Dalvin Cook, he was significantly worse. And we're all calling mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook washed. And it's kind of like I get it that he performed in the games that he had spots. But every single time he had a spot to play these teams, it was against the bottom tier teams in the entire NFL. Um, this is yeah. a spot where I think, the again, the, the Vikings are a pass offense. They're going to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. Um, they're going to be able to feature Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, Hawkinson, and even Osborne all in the same games. Um, this is a spot for Hawkinson that I'm not in love with just because the Vikings give you a lot of single high coverage. Uh, Hawkinson is the killer against two high. Last year, he was second on the team in targets against too high, even though he missed the first eight weeks because he got traded midseason. So that's really, really impressive metrics on his side. So this one isn't the spot for him to blow up. I think it's a game where we could see Addison make a few big catches. But the biggest thing is going to be Kirk Cousins. Does he trust him? Um, Does he want to force him the ball down the field? Jordan Addison doesn't feel like the receiver that's going to, you know, hey, 
you got to stop throwing to Justin Jefferson and throw to me. Um, yeah, probably not. Spot where we're going to see Justin Jefferson get his. Their corners and the Bucks are very physical. They like to try to press you. Justin Jefferson's going to Probably not going to work, though. Uh, <laughs> probably not going to work if we're just being honest. He can try, yeah, but probably not going to work. It's going to be, I think, a good game from Jefferson and stuff. But the Vike, the Buccaneers, they're a little bit more healthy on that side of the ball this year. They're a little bit faster since they got rid of the old and now with the new. So they're going to be it's going to be a game that plays out where I think the Vikings cover, but it's not going yeah. to be a pretty cover. It's not going to be like they're up early on and you're just waiting for it. I think they cover with like a defensive touchdown or something really? along those lines because yeah. Brian Flores in the way he plays. Yeah, but that the thing is, this Bucks team, man, like I think they can put up points. I just don't know if this is the matchup for them. And so to see only a six point number, yeah. I kind of wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings just ran away with this one in the first half. Like if Kirk Cousins was sitting in the fourth quarter, I don't think we'd be shocked because if Flores is really going to give Baker fits and he's throwing like two picks in the first half and the Vikings have short fields, we know they can move the ball well, whether it's KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, or even in, with that running game, a bit of a two-headed, three-headed monster. Like I think they're going to be able to move the ball really well. And this second year in this system, it should only be even better as well. You know, we've talked about how Adam Thielen ran a ton of routes. They weren't necessarily the routes that he should have been running. And we can maybe talk about that a little bit later and you can dive into that info. But I do think this team will be humming on all cylinders overall. I think the Vikings can win this game pretty easily. They probably cover as well. But I do want to move on because Joe Burrow, man, the struggles against the Cleveland Browns are pretty well documented the Bengals are only three or two and a half points, sorry, favorites on the road in Cleveland. Now, thank God this game is when the weather is good because I am excited to see this game. I'm excited to see these teams play and I don't want to see them play in December, but we have the Bengals at the Browns. I know that you're a big Amari Cooper guy as well, but let's start with Joe Burrow back to practice. Jamar Chase, people are saying he could have a career year. T Higgins, Joe Mixon's back. I mean, you got to be excited for the Bengals, right? Oh, yeah. This is the stack that I'm going towards this week. Okay. Uh, Joe Burrow, this is a ceiling game for Joe Burrow. This is a game where the whole he's failed against the Browns nonsense gets thrown out the window just because they switch defensive coordinators. When things change, you adapt. And they brought mm -hmm. in Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz is not going to let teams run on him. That is how he's been built his entire coaching career. He's a, given a lot of single high coverage. He's going to press. And at the end of the day, you're going to say, well, why would he do that against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? The Browns have great corners like Denzel yeah. Ward, Greg Newsome, Martin Emerson. That's a great cornerback room. He's going to give his guys a chance to, you know, come up and show out. This team has been built on two high looks the past three years with Joe Woods. They gave a lot of stuff over the middle. They didn't really give up a ton down the field until this past season where miscommunication quite often early on in the season. But for the most part, teams beat them over the middle on these shorter routes and not, not anything really deep. Now they're switching. They're going to be a single high team, which means somebody's going to have down the field without any help. And that's going to be T. Higgins or Jamar Chase. And it's pick your poison. I don't know how they're going to necessarily operate. They might throw Denzel Ward onto T. Higgins and put Martin Emerson with Chase and help. But regardless, Jamar Chase is one of the best in the NFL at breaking single high coverages. He averages over three yards per route run. Joe Burrow is the only quarterback in the last two years to average over nine yards per pass attempt against it. This is a spot where Jim Schwartz, he's got to show me that he's willing to play too high. I don't think he's going to be. 
And with that, this sets up to be a big Joe Burrow game, similar to what we saw when he was playing those Baltimore Ravens last year or two years ago with Wink Martindale, who sent the house, played cover one, pressed these guys. And next thing you know, you see Jamar Chase with 200 receiving yards and you're wondering, why didn't you pick him in this spot? Yeah, I mean, you made a lot of good points. Actually, funny story about Jim Schwartz. I actually got his autograph when he was the head coach of the Lions, like, man, probably 10 years ago now. I went to uh, Ford Field to go see a game on Thanksgiving against the Packers, and I was staying at the Weston Hotel. So I literally saw all the players from both teams come in, and they were, like, signing autographs and stuff at the front door. It was awesome. So shout out Jim Schwartz, man. Gave a little kid an autograph going to see his first NFL game. But, uh, yeah, probably going to get shredded in this one. I mean, that's what they say. Zebras can't change their stripes, and I don't expect Jim Schwartz to change anything but let's talk about the Browns a little bit because Watson Jordan I texted you the other day or not probably like weeks ago now I texted you that I'm I'm a little bit concerned about Watson I'm I'm not all the way there I understand that you know I shouldn't be the season is here he's had time to prepare but he just he hasn't looked good enough and it's not to say that he can't be great it's that I believe for so long he is a top three, top five quarterback, and then everything happened, and then he's sitting out, and then he's not playing games, and then he looks terrible, and it's like, well, does the ceiling to be a top five quarterback still exist for Deshaun Watson, knowing that you know he has Amari Cooper, DPJ's there, they brought in Cedric Tillman, they brought in Elijah Moore, the weapons are there, Nick Chubb's going to be great. But how do you feel about this Browns team in this game against the Bengals in particular? Because that defense is good. They lost some pieces, but that defense is still very good. And I haven't been too encouraged with what I've seen from Watson so far. So how about you start with Watson, then we move through the pass catchers and maybe talk about Nick Chubb just a little bit in the running game. So with Watson, it's it's not a great spot for him. But I will say this. Luan Inarumo ran his defense and trusted a lot of what the safeties did in their safety play. This game, it's two new safeties. It's not Von Bell and Jesse Bates. It's not the talent of Von Bell and Jesse Bates. So I think they could take advantage of this secondary down the field. I think Mike Hilton in the slot is going to be a nightmare. So I would keep Amari Cooper out wide and put Elijah Moore in the slot and just let him have to deal with that. Um, But as far as Watson, he hasn't shown that he's a top five quarterback in preseason, but it's preseason. He didn't show Mm -hmm. he's a top five quarterback at the end of last season, but it was his, you know, first time back, not practicing for 10 weeks with this team and then being thrown out there. Like, I'm not sure what to necessarily think. I don't really have a definitive like conclusion on him at the moment. But yeah. no, it has not been pretty. He has not shown the likes of being Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, which he was just a few oh, years sure. ago. Um, but this is a game for him where if he, you know, keeps up with Burrow, then he's back. And if he doesn't, we're going to give the excuse of, well, he played a good defense. So let's give him till next week. Um, I'm not <laughs> not 100% sure where to feel with him. But as far as the receivers, Mari Cooper is going to be the leader in this team. I know he's missed some time with an injury. He's going to get a lot of looks and a lot of looks early on. Um, this guy had over a 20% target share against both single high and two high. The Bengals run a complex scheme, so they mix and match a lot of this. They usually rotate pre-snap or as the snap's developing. So regardless of what they give, Amari Cooper is going to get a ton of looks. I actually like DPJ a little bit in this spot just okay. because he's a he's a win-deep type of guy. Chidobi Awuze mm. is probably going to get matched up on him with like the speed. And I've seen Awuze plenty of times for the Cowboys be in the right spot, but just not be able to reach and knock that ball loose. So think it's a good spot for both of them. I know a lot of people are on to David Njoku. Yeah. Um, 
David Njoku's fine to me. I don't think this is a smash spot for David Njoku. I know he's played well against the Bengals in years past, but this is also a new scheme. It's new things mm-hmm. in the middle. The only strong part about their defense right now is their front seven and their slot corner. So I think that that doesn't bode well for a tight end um, who plays the slot and gets split out wide and stuff. So interesting to see. I'm definitely playing a ton of this game in my DFS lineups and mm. finding other ways to get unique just because, you know, the over-under is healthy. I think Burrow's in a smash spot, and I think they both can break the slate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, Burrow, Higgins, DPJ, maybe some Burrow Chase, DPJ with the little run back there. Um, you know, two and a half point spread, forty eight point over under. Bengals slight favorites on the road. It it it's funny because I feel like the Bengals are being discounted because of Burrow's quote unquote health, but. I mean, he doesn't have to run to shred the the Browns. So I'm not really too worried about that. It's just hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's good. I mean, he's back at practice, so we shouldn't be too worried about them. But a guy I am worried about, Jordan, because this week could be rough, is CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud has the Ravens on the road. Texans, 10-point dogs against the Ravens. This new offense that Todd Munkin and everyone cannot stop talking about. Zay Flowers is going to be the best receiver in his draft class. According to some, not according to all, according to some, I am still Team Jordan Addison. I believe you are as well, at least in year one, because he's going to get more targets than JSN. But this Ravens offense, Lamar Jackson got paid. OBJ, is Rashad Bateman healthy and going to be available? Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, and... On top of that, new Texans defense, Will Anderson looking like a monster. Where do we even start with this game? Because 10 points feels like a lot, but is it a lot with D'Amico Ryans and his new defense with a not-so-talented Texans roster? And then what's going to happen with this Ravens offense, Jordan? I just need you to walk me through this Ravens offense and what the hell to expect in Week 1 versus the Texans. So for the Texan side of the ball, I'll start with their offense. It's going to be a heavy dose of the run game, man. They they're going to have to. It's just yeah. it's just that's where they're going to protect their quarterback. Their offensive line is hurt and their offensive line is good. That's the thing that sucks. If they actually had their healthy offensive line, like this would be a pretty interesting game to see how the defense of the Ravens would really respond. Ravens are a great run defense. They've got studs at the linebacker position with, you know, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. So they're going to cause some issues in that run game. Stop it. But regardless, the Texans are still going to do it. They're still going to run the ball plenty. They're going to try to protect their rookie quarterback and establish those play action plays, which gives, you know, some spots, some windows where you can fit the ball in. Um, I want Tank Dell to start. I want him to be a thing as bad as anybody. Don't think that's the case based on what preseason usage looked like. I think this is a spot where Nico Collins is going to operate as the number one. I think Robert Woods is probably going to be the number two in this uh, game. And then you're going to see a rotational split at the number three position between Schultz and all the other rotational uh, receivers for the Texans. So that's kind of wrapping up them. The offense of the Ravens, it's going to be spread. I don't think they're going to go into a lot of 12 personnel and throw out of it. I know a lot of people are have high on Mark Andrews. I've Mm -hmm. been team anti second round Mark Andrews. I've been fine with him in the late third. I don't really think um, 
I didn't think he was going to be able to pay off the capital of the late second, which I've seen him go in some drafts. Mark Andrews now is on the injury report. Did not look good in that one uh, clip that I think Jeff Mueller posted. And then Isaiah likely would obviously be a smash play at 3000 against it. The one thing I'll note about the Texans defense, D'Amico Ryans is going to fix that run game. D'Amico Ryans is not Lovey Smith. If you look back at the 49ers, they were by far, large and behold, the best run defense in football last year. And that's because they don't use slot corners. They would use a third safety if teams want to go three wide and put that safety on the slot corner, which made them bad against slot players, but great against the run. And Huafongo was making plays. If you try to run a bubble screen, he's undercutting it and picking it off and certain things. They don't have a 49ers defense. Obviously, they don't have the same personnel grouping but they have a much better scheme to stop the run game. Ravens are a nightmare run game, though. I'm not expecting them (laughs) to shut them down, but I don't think this is a spot where we're going to see Lamar run for like 80 and Dobbins run for 100 like you'd expect against the Texans defense. That's not good. Ravens are 10-point favorites. Um, I think Monken's going to get this offense established in the passing game, and like I said, the 49ers defense struggled against the slot, and that was because they put the safety there. Zay Flowers, I think, is going to be their full-time slot. Very high on Zay Flowers. I don't know if this is going to be a smash game because they're going to be spreading it around, and he could rotate out of that position. Like, Bateman can play it. Odell can play it. So it's a matter of how much usage he really gets in that spot. Um, Overall, though, this Ravens offense is going to be... People talk about them being um, super fast-paced. They're they're going to be up-paced, but it's not going to be 2021. People keep yeah. referring to 2021 as like, this is what the Ravens are going to be. They were fourth in dropbacks. They drop back like 700 times or something crazy and that or 670 or some nonsense. They're not that they're, they're, that's not where they're going. They're, they're going to be improved, but they're still going to be a little bit run the ball with J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, like I think this is kind of a team that obviously is built to do both now, which is nice but they're not going to be out here throwing the ball 45 times a game like a Vikings team or Mahomes in some of the aspects which people believe. And so one other question I do have for you about the Ravens is that I think to your point, this defense should be much improved too. Like this shouldn't be a team that's giving up 30 points a week, that's blowing leads late in the game, that's forcing Lamar to throw the ball a lot. Like I do think there will be a bit of ball control style offense mixed in with much improved defense, not allowing as many big plays down the field. And as you mentioned, that will just lower the potential totals and output for fantasy points because this team ultimately wants to just play conservatively. They'll throw the ball, they'll spread it around, they'll throw the ball a lot more this year. But I still think when the game comes down to it, they're going to want to run the ball to win. That's how you win football games. That's how they've always been. I don't think that's going to change magically simply because they brought in Todd Munkin. I just think there'll be a lot more things for Lamar to do and change the line of scrimmage and the play calling will be much more diverse. But I am intrigued by Zay Flowers now. Would you play him in DFS week one if he's cheap enough? I don't know what his price is. I haven't looked at it. But it sounds like at least going forward, potentially, you're going to be targeting slot receivers, especially full-time slots against the Texans this year. That is, yes, that is where I'll be uh, definitely be headed. Um, I don't know if I'm going to play Zay Flowers much in week one. Rookie receivers, it's just not really the blow-up week. Like even Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, like none of those guys had killer week ones. Um, Zay Flowers in an offense that I think is going to be balanced, 10-point favorites. Like I'm not sure that's where I want to attack. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be playing much of this game. I think if I did play Zay Flowers, I would 
highly consider a mini with him and Damian Pierce, just because I think for him to get the volume to be there, you're going to need the Texans to keep it close. And if you're keeping it close, then Damian Pierce is running wild. Like, I think that's how my logic would be around it, but I'm not sure I'm going to see plenty of those uh, mini stacks in my lineups this weekend. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. This game could be honestly awful. Like it could be a really bad game from the Texans. And I think, you know, we may even see some struggles from the Ravens as well. You know, we haven't seen them play a ton in preseason. So we'll see how they look to start the year. And as you mentioned, against a pretty, I think it'll be an improved Texans defense. You know, D'Amico Ryans will have them ready and they've brought in some really good pieces, especially on that defensive line. I think they can be much improved. Let's move on to the next game now. We have the Jacksonville ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars headed to Indy for a date with the Colts. Anthony Richardson's debut. I don't know what to feel about Anthony Richardson in his debut. I don't know whether he's going to be good, whether he's going to be bad. I know that you're so excited for Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence, the connection. Jordan, what is your Calvin Ridley exposure going to be this week? And what are you expecting in this game against the Colts? Indoor game? against a bad, bad, bad team. There could be a lot of points from the Jaguars if they get hot early in this one. And then as well, your thoughts on a rich. Um, I don't think we need to touch on the running back room. I am full fading the running backs um, and honestly, kind of the wide receivers as well. It feels like a rich or bust. I probably wouldn't start him in fantasy if I, if I could help it, but feel free to touch on the Jaguars defense as well and kind of how that matchup may shake up. And then of course, profess your love for Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and this entire Jaguars offense this season. So I'm looking at the underdog best ball exposures. Calvin is my most rostered player at 38%. Um, okay. and it's a little bit higher and cause it's not, you know, all the same contest. Yeah. 37% in this one. So he, he's around like 40% of my exposure. Um, that's, that's I, a lot. Cannot wait for him. But so kicking off just because continue the conversation that way. Um, the Colts are starting on the boundary, a rookie and a second year player. And it's not the rookie they took in the second round. So I'm very interested to see what that kind of shakes out to be. And their second round uh, or second year player is a player that played 90 coverage snaps last year, gave up 10 targets, six catches, 88 yards. That is a high rate of getting targeted. Um People picked on him towards the end of last season. In the slot corner, they have Kenny Moore, who, again, up and down throughout his career, but he's been a player that's Pro Bowl caliber in some spots. He's been much better in certain other areas. So this is a spot where the boundary is where they should be attacking the Colts. And Calvin, in his first game back, you want to get that going. You want to get that established. This is going to be a spot where I think this is a not a blow-up week because I don't know what AR is going to do to keep it close. Yeah. But right now is a spot where I think Calvin's going to have deep looks and it's whether or not those, you know, 20 percent, 30 percent chances of these 40 yard touchdowns kind of click. And if Calvin gets tackled or like at the one because he's had that happen plenty of times in his career or if he's just doing it and scoring. I, I think this is a spot where I love Calvin, not a fan of Kirk, not really a fan of Ingram, because, again, the Colts defense. The best part about it's their front seven, not the secondary. So not the secondary and not the boundary in particular. Um, But then flipping it over to the Indianapolis Colts offense. Again, Anthony Richardson in week one is a fine DFS play. I don't know how popular he's going to be. Right now, he's coming in pretty popular on a lot of sites because of his rushing ability. And this is why I think... If you're going to, if you love Calvin Ridley in week one, what gets Calvin Ridley to be 
the best or top tier receiver on the slate is if the Colts are scoring with the Jaguars. How are the Colts going to be scoring? It has to be with Anthony Richardson. It has to be his legs. So if he's running and it's kind of like uh, similarly to like Justin Fields last year, if you want to play Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell for the Miami Dolphins and you want exposure to that game against the Bears, playing Justin Fields with Darnell Mooney, in this case, Anthony Richardson with Alec Pierce is kind of the way that I would think about this. That is the Hilo actually talked about it with me. He's like, well, if you want to get to Trevor Lawrence, what's getting Trevor Lawrence going? Well, the Colts have to be scoring. So what's getting there? And it's like, this makes a lot of sense. And again, if I'm playing, if I really, really want to target Calvin Ridley as if he's going to be a top five player, I heavily consider Anthony Richardson. And I'm definitely stacking him with Alec Pierce. You saw every single game in preseason. It was play action. We're throwing it deep to Alec Pierce. Like that's how they operated. It didn't connect. That's cool. It's preseason. doesn't have Mm. to connect preseason like the Jaguars he can connect in that game and then next you know you have a 3,800 receiver that just you know has 70 yards and a touchdown crushing his price and then Anthony Richardson who can have 80 to 100 rushing yards in this game would not surprise me the Jaguars are super athletic but this guy in the pocket is one of the better prospects from like escapability he's not a pocket passer but he could be a pocket runner and I think that they're going to be in a spot where their coach Shane Seich is gonna be like hey kid it's not there. Run like, yeah. Why One throw read and run? If you if you're not if you're not like, and that's how Jalen Hurts got his in the first two years, and now obviously Jalen Hurts is developed in masterclass. But like, James Sitchin in the first year with Jalen Hurts, it was like, hey, the passing game, we're not having our receivers get open. Like, we have rookie Devonta Smith. You're not getting the timing with him. Outside of that, we didn't have anybody. This yeah. upcoming year, they added AJ Brown and pretty easy to hit your first read when it's AJ Brown or Devonta Smith. But this year, Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, tough one to say Michael Pittman's going to be good. I don't really want to bank on that. So if I'm playing Calvin, a heavy, I definitely want to be exposed to Anthony Richardson and Alec Pierce in this one. Yeah, a lot of good strategy talk, right? About how you want to construct your lineups and how you want to build them if you do want to win and and how these things will correlate and how you can set yourself up for success over the long term. Great nuggets from you, you know, using this game as an example and you can apply it to any game, right? Because if you want Calvin to go off, you know you have to have that run back and in the case of the Colts, the run back is Anthony Richardson because he's going to be running the ball a ton. We can move on to the next game or we can skip it if you want. Cardinals commanders my goodness talk about a game that nobody wants to see nobody wants to watch nobody cares about the commanders i mean i expect them to be better this year you know they have eric Bieniemy. the only guy i want to ask you about is Jahan dotson because there is a lot of hype around dotson and then if you want to touch on the cardinals at all feel free but we do not care 38 point over under what and the commanders are seven point favorites at home Cardinals on the road, Jonathan Gannon saying, openly admitting that he blew the Super Bowl for the Eagles and all of the videos we see of him, the more and more, you know, initially I thought maybe it was a Sirianni situation. It is not. It it, it could not be more false. It, he is just, I know that you were not a fan from the beginning and, and I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's just, it is not looking good. Do you have any thoughts on Cardinals commanders? And then as well, um, touch a little bit on Sam Howell and how you feel about Dotson, McLaurin. A lot of people are predicting co-alphas. I'm not quite there, but I'm a big McLaurin fan, so I may be a little bit biased. So 
in terms of DFS in this game, the commander's defense is going to be 30 plus percent yeah. rostered on DraftKings. They're 2,800. I don't know why they're so cheap. I think that's an auto fade because of the fact that really, okay. So they're going to crush. They they are. They are very very good. The way mm. your defense actually gets there for a slate is by scoring touchdowns. And it's like, I don't you if you're banking on a defensive touchdown, like that's the only path to where a 30 percent team should be kind of rostered on the defensive side of the ball. Defense has a ton of variance. I think there's actually a spot we'll get to uh, later down on the show sheet where it's going to hurt my heart to say it, but it's a great pivot off of this team just because they're not going to be popular. And I think this is a spot where it's going to be very difficult um, but again, the commanders are probably going to dominate. That defense line is nasty. The um, Cardinals offense line is work in progress. Obviously, Josh Jobs is out there. James Connors on it. Like, they don't have a ton of weapons, so it's an easy spot to just play them. Um, but as far as Dotson, he's phenomenal. Like He, he can mm-hmm. get it done in a lot of ways. The one thing that I'm concerned with with this team is it seems like Sam Howell only wants to throw it 15 to 20 yards down the field. That's yes. just that that creates a lot of boom potential and a lot of great air yard stats and air yard metrics, which you're going to hear throughout the entire season. But it also creates a spot for a lot of turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't a game where I necessarily think that's coming, but the Cardinals do have some good safeties um, on their defense. So Buda Baker can easily, you know, pick him off, like if they're going to try to just target him deep the entire game. But overall, this isn't a game that should be heavily targeted DFS. I don't think it's got any shootout potential. Dotson's fine. <laughs> uh, Brian Robinson's fine. And so is Antonio Gibson. But like, yeah, not in love with it. I don't want to play Sam Howell stacks. I don't I know he throws a deep a ton, which is great. But there are just other ways I want to build. And even though he's forty nine hundred, I'm just not sure I'm going to get there this week. Yeah, there's no reason for them to push the envelope with Hal in a game against the Cardinals. Like this game could be over early. And as you mentioned, it could be closer than we expect and not perform at the level that we hope for from Sam Howell in his debut. And especially against the Cardinals, we want to see him have a great game. But yeah, we can easily move on from this one. There is not a whole lot to be said about this game. I think the next one, though, Tennessee at New Orleans could be sneaky good. Not so much from an offensive perspective, but I just think as a game could be really exciting. You know, for everything that Vrabel isn't offensively, his teams show up to every single game. His defense is always ready. Um, I think the biggest thing here that we have to see it coming into this season is, is this secondary any better than it was last season? Because it was the worst in the NFL. They had the best run D outside of, you know, the 49ers. And, and some people may argue they had the best run D period in the NFL. But can it be improved? Because we like what we're seeing from Derek Carr. The Saints look great in the preseason. Obviously, Alvin Kamara will not be available. Kendra Miller's availability is also in question for those who were unaware we aren't so sure if he's going to be playing in this one. And then the Titans, it's very simple. It's Tannehill. We'll see what we get from Burks. Hopkins will be involved. Akonko will be involved. And a crap ton of Derrick Henry. But how do you feel about the Titans first? And then we'll move over to the Saints. I am a little bit worried about the Saints because they lost a lot of pieces on that defensive line. But outside of that, I think the team will be ready to go both on offense and on defense and be front runners to win the NFC South. Not gonna have them front runners. I'll, I'll, I'll really for the next one. Really? But we can, we'll, okay. we'll get into that next. But okay. so as as far as the Saints, Derek Carr threw for 300 yards against the Titans last season, um, and he did it with Mac Collins. Uh, so it's a very strange little mm-hmm. nugget for for me. But this this Saints offense line looked extremely impressive this season uh, or this uh, preseason, and yeah. they're going up against the Titans secondary that is not improved. It's the same one. It's just a matter of if they're 
young players can develop into great corners. Yeah. It's very hard to expect a rookie corner to kind of come in and shut down, but they should be developed at this point with uh, Kirsten Fulton in particular. But this is a spot where I'm in love with Chris Olave. The Titans mm-hmm. are a defense you can kill deep. Um, the only thing that fears me is if Derrick Henry gets going from a run game perspective and they can slow it down enough. But that's where I want to target. Like I want to go Derek Carr, Chris Olave, and like Rashid Shaheed, Michael Thomas, Jawan Johnson, one of those and zero and uh other pieces and then run it back with like with derrick henry. henry because if derrick henry's going and they're going like this is a great spot for it's only got a 41 point over under so it's not exactly a yeah uh, gonna be a popular game and which is why i don't really want to play sam howell because you're telling me sam howell is going to get more love at 4900 than derrick carr at 5300 sam yeah. howell is in a lower team total and a uh, a lower over under and Derek Carr is in a spot that's just a better uh, defense to be playing for what his skill set is. So I love this game from a stacking perspective. I think it's going to be one of the games me and uh, Hilo talk about on uh, Saturday morning. You'll see that come mm-hmm. out. But overall, this is a great game to stack. This is a great game to target. And yeah, you're right. The Saints did lose a lot of pieces. They're still going to be fine on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. But the secondary, they're cornerback two is going to be the main question which if Traylon Burks is matched up with him mm-hmm. I think Traylon can win pretty deep he's looked so much better this year I know he's coming off the injury and it's tough to tough to buy into it but either him or Derek Henry will be my main uh run backs in this one yeah I mean just I think it's a sneaky game right you know Vrabel for everything he just he shows up and I'm always excited to watch his teams play they're not always the most fun games but I think yeah. the Saints are going to be exciting. And I am surprised to see this total at 41. I think they can easily cruise over. I think this could be a game that approaches 50, especially in the Superdome. Derek Carr's first game, I think he's going to want to show out. And like you mentioned, it's the perfect opportunity for him to do that. But we do have an NFC South showdown, Jordan. 39 and a half point over under. My goodness. That is obscenely low for the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. I know that you are all in on the Falcons. So I'm not even going to give you the satisfaction of telling me that. I'm just going to let the people know already. You love the Falcons. I don't know why you're all in. You're a big Kyle Pitts guy. I don't know what it is. Oh, no. And of course, you are a Panthers fan, right? So we can touch on the Panthers. I know you were worried about the offensive line, so you can touch on that a little bit. But where do you want to start? Because clearly you are headed towards the Atlanta Falcons to win the NFC South but start with your Panthers. So I, for the Carolina Panthers right now, the just showed up in the injury report. DJ Chark's yes. got a hammy. Um, Terrace Marshall's got a back injury. We don't have any weapons. Like, well, no, you have, they, you have Jonathan Mingo 39th overall selection from the draft. We, I know you don't like him. I know you we weren't do. a fan of the senior bowl. I know you thought he was trash and I told you he was good, but guess what, Jordan, we're here now. He's your number one receiver for your favorite team. And you're going to have to like it. So, so yeah. talk about him. No so, weapons? Are you sticking to that story? He's, he's, yes, I'm sticking to the no weapon story. It. We don't have anybody who can get separation. I don't, like, that's again. Fair. That's fair. That's the, fair. That's fair. The, the, the Carolina Panthers, we, we were very good at run blocking last year. I don't know what I've seen throughout preseason to tell me that that's going to be the case this year. The Atlanta Falcons. Throw out all the defensive metrics from last year. Stop talking about the Atlanta Falcons as if they're the same team. It's so like it's frustrating to talk about them because they're not the same defense. They are Talk completely to them. different. Like Calias Campbell's there. 
They mm-hmm. have um, uh, not Shy Tuttle. Base. So, um, yeah, they brought in Shy Tuttle, I believe, no, and Amanyata. Yamanyata yeah. is on the uh, Falcons, but they have 900 pounds from guard to guard now on their 3 4 defense that is completely different than their last year's scheme. They have a safety in Jesse Bates, who's an all pro level guy. They traded, obviously, Jeff Okuda's probably not going to be playing right away. Jeff Okuda's going to a scheme that fits his skill set much better. They have so many moving parts to this defense that prove that show that they're going to be better on that side of the ball. And throughout the preseason, when they actually played their starters, I don't know why they rested them plenty during it, but it looked the part, man. I saw a defense that's going to give teams problems, and in particular, at home against a rookie quarterback that mm-hmm. needs weapons. Because, again, I love Bryce Young. He's phenomenal. You can't be great without weapons around you. It's just not a thing in the NFL. If Joe Burrow didn't have T. Higgins or Jamar Chase, they would not be a playoff team. Even though they have Joe Burrow, it just does not matter when you don't have guys that you can throw the ball to. So in this particular matchup, they're one of my favorite pivots in DFS on defensive side of the ball. They're only a few hundred more expensive, and they can outscore them. Bryce Young can definitely throw a pick six. I love Bryce Young. He's a very intelligent quarterback. But if Adam Thielen isn't giving it a go or if they're out, you know, without him in particular, who's their zone beater? Who like who understands the coverage? Like I could see a lot of bad things kind of happening in this particular matchup. And again, I don't want it to happen. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan at heart. I'm rooting for us to beat the Falcons. But I'm also someone who studies football and knows that the Atlanta Falcons have the significant advantage over us. And we talk about, you know, Sam Howell. What is he doing in this game? He's going to be throwing it deep. He's going to possibly turn over the ball. What is Desmond Ritter going to do? He's going to hand the ball to Bijan. Like, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run it a ton. And we don't have necessarily the answer for their run game, especially with Brian Burns just, like, casually being like, hey, I'm missing Monday. Might not going to play. (laughs) And then we didn't pay him before Bosa, which is the biggest mistake. Not good. Yeah, not good. Brian Burns reportedly from Ari that um, Brian Burns was willing to accept like a 26 to 29 million per year or 20. I think it was 24 to 27. Now, Bosa just got like 34. Yeah. Yesterday's price is not today's price, right? Yeah. (laughs) Brian Burns is looking for 30 and we did it smart with DJ Moore. We paid him 20 mil a year and everybody's like, wow, overpay. And now all the receivers are getting 30. Yeah. This time we messed up and we didn't take the two first round picks from the Rams. There's so much that went down that did <laughs> that not go well. Been with crazy. Our GM is imagine? in the hot seat, man. Our, our GM is in the hot seat. But as far as the Falcons offense, it's a run game show. Drake London will be great. Um, not expecting Kyle Pitts to be a part of it just because yeah. there's no reason to. There's there's zero. I know everybody's expecting and whatever, but there's no reason for him to be great. But Jordan, his line's only 31 and a half receiving yards. Should be. Great, great day to pick an under. Yeah, I know. Seriously, especially when last season, I believe he only went over that in three of his 10 games he played last year. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. I think that the Falcons probably cover this game at home. It's only three and a half points. I don't know about the over under because you like you mentioned, the Carolina Panthers could be ugly for them. But yeah, I do like the Falcons a lot like Drake London. We'll see with Ritter. He should be fine. Um, But hand the ball to Bijan, hand the ball to Algier. Would you play any Algier? Have you like considered it at all? Because I think he will get opportunities in this game. Um, you're not in on Algier for week one. No, no. I can't. Just I the Bijan show. Price. Yeah, I can't buy into the price because like he's just like he's going to have to score multiple touchdowns to make you okay. win in GPP. And like, yeah, why bank on a running back that I know is a backup that's going to deal with like Cordero Patterson getting carried? Potentially, like, yep. just, 
it's just it's just not a plus matchup for me to go there, especially at fifty four hundred. Whether he's the same price as Raheem Mostert and Damian Harris, like I'd rather play those guys without question. Yeah, Mostert especially. I mean, it's it's kind of unfair yeah. because when the pricing came out, Mostert yeah. wasn't the starter, so Mostert's going to be very heavily owned, and we will yeah. get into that in a little bit. But transitioning from your favorite team to my favorite team. Jordan, please tell me why I wouldn't take the Eagles to cover four points in New England. I mean, do I really believe Bill O'Brien's going to make that much of a difference to this offense? Do I believe that this offense has any capable weapons? You just said that your Carolina Panthers have nobody. My New England Patriots have absolutely nobody on offense. So they were so desperate. They signed Devontae Parker to a contract extension. One of our best weapons is Hunter Henry. I like Kendrick Bourne a lot, actually. I think he's a very underrated receiver, but he's not going to make up for the ineptitude that this team has on offense. And the Eagles, man. I mean, A.J. Brown should feast against this man defense. So where do you do you even want to touch on this game at all? I mean, the Eagles are going to dominate the Patriots pretty much in all facets. And I just want to see Jordan Davis thrive. I want to see him have a great opening game against the Patriots. I hope Mac Jones gets sacked a billion times because this team is just so poorly constructed. I just want them to hit the reality in week one. And maybe they can just start tanking for Caleb Williams. Do you have anything that you want to say about the Eagles and Patriots before we get to probably one of my favorite games in the Dolphins and Chargers? So I'm going to say this about the game environment for the Eagles and Patriots. The Patriots have one of the, I wouldn't say one of the defenses I'd expect to slow, like stop the Eagles, but they're okay. one of the defenses I expect to slow them down. They have so many guys that are like 6'2 to 6'4, 225 to 250 yep. that run four th- fours, four fives. I'm just going to give fits to just the way that Philly is constructed. Um, Philly's got new things on offense and defense. Their offensive coordinator, defense coordinator issues. Um, the one thing that Philly's struggled with is their run uh, defense and the Patriots. All they're going to do is kind of run the ball in this matchup and throw it to Ramondre. I don't think this is a spot where it would surprise me if New England covered. I don't think New England's going to win. Don't get me yeah. wrong on that spot. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Philadelphia Eagles did not have a great week one. Like from an yeah. offensive standpoint, just because they can't get it going with the run game, because maybe DeAndre Swift and these guys aren't Miles Sanders, even mm-hmm. though it's not something that you expect to say. Maybe Jalen Hurts, like the Eagles or the Patriots corners and secondary, like they're not great. But the one thing that New England, I mean, Bill Belichick, man, it's still Bill. Their defense is fast, they're athletic, and probably yeah. the best that he's had in the past few years. They're all healthy. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting spot. And I don't know if Philly is going to be able to call because, again, offensive ch- coordinator change, defensive coordinator mm-hmm. change. There's a lot moving in this offense. I don't know if they're or team. I don't know if they're just going to click week one like they did last year against the Lions and have like 38 points. Um, this is a tough matchup for them. And the over under shows at 45. Yeah, it'll definitely be a defensive slugfest. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the Eagles as well have to show up in second halves. You know, they, we saw some games where, you know, they didn't need to and it didn't really matter. But we all saw some games that they let some teams back into it in the second half because they kind of took their foot off the gas. And you mentioned the four headed running back room. I mean, nobody knows what the hell is going on there. So we'll see week one because, you know, if you have Rashad Penny, Gainwell, Swift, like... I don't really want to start any of them because we don't know what their usage would be. People will, and they'll roll the dice. Um, But if you have better options, I definitely would look to consider that. You know, I wouldn't be playing Zeke. Obviously, you'll be playing Ramondre, and then we'll see from the pass catchers. You're going to play Smith, Goddard, A.J. Brown, obviously, but I don't think you have to get too cute with this game. I'm, I'm not really looking to play Swift in this matchup. I understand people may want to, but I'm not really there. I'm, I'm You know, you might have convinced me, man. Maybe the Eagles won't cover that four spread 
It may just be a three-point game and, and the Patriots keep it close. But we have to talk about the 2020 draft class and the fifth and sixth overall picks. Justin Herbert versus your hometown Dolphins. Tua Tugavailoa is back, baby. 51-point over-under. Jalen Ramsey will not be playing in this game. You love Vic Fangio, but his defense could be struggling early on against this new Kellen Moore run Chargers offense. High-flying Quinn Johnston, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, maybe some Joshua Kelly mixed in there as well. I don't know where you want to start with this one. I didn't even mention Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. My goodness, points galore. The Dolphins got to show up in this game. They have to show yeah. up, Jordan. They 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 did not show up last time. They got to show up. So talk to me. What's going to happen? Because the Chargers so, favored by three points in SoFi, so the NFL is yeah. just salivating. They're just in SoFi Stadium. They're so excited. Roger Goodell is probably going to be at this game. I can see that happening. I can see that happening. But who's going to win this game, and how do you feel about it overall? I think the Dolphins are winning this game, and I think it's going to be close. On the road! Airborne for you. Let's go. So last year, the the Chargers defensive coordinator was Ronaldo Hill. Brand Staley and him would obviously figure out the defensive game plan because he's the defensive coach. Ronaldo Hill is the linebackers coach in Miami. Whatever game plan they had last year that slowed down this offense has to have been talked about and has to have been corrected. If they're going to give us this look, we're going to do this. Like there's there's a lot of, you know, moving parts with it. Obviously, the Dolphins have a bunch of players on the injury report. They don't have Jalen Ramsey, but the defensive side of the ball is still built to be great because they have four defensive linemen in um, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb. Christian Wilkins is going to be there, obviously, hasn't been paid yet. And then Zach Zeeler, who are going to be able to get after Herbert and also stop the run. I don't think this is a spot where I want to touch Austin Eckler. I don't think he's going to see the passing or targets. Okay. The, the biggest thing for Miami, it's going to be really simple. Stop the downfield throws. If Mike yeah. Williams and uh, Quinn Johnson and Keenan Allen can't get it done down the field, then the Chargers offense is going to struggle. And if they can, then this is going to be fireworks up because we're sitting at a shootout. I know yeah. the Chargers dominated last year. Dolphins are a very different roster this year. Obviously, they have Tua. Obviously, they're hurt at the running back room. But mm-hmm. Tyree Killen, Jalen Waddle, it's fresh. It's not, you know, towards the end of the season. And, you know, you have all the nicks and bruises there. Um, they also have some new guys in Braxton Berrios that I think mm-hmm. will be difference makers in games like this where you catch the ball a few times on third down, move drives. And then you have Tua who, again, looks bigger, looks like he's capable of taking some hits, looks like he's understanding how to fall right now, which is huge. And in a spot where if he trusts that he can throw it to the sidelines, they're going to be fine. Um, from a offensive side of the ball, the biggest thing that's going to come down to is how well is Raheem Mostert versus Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks is linebacker from the Vikings, come over to the Chargers. I don't think Eric Kendricks fixed the Chargers run game, but he's going to help the Chargers run game. But if he is not um, the one thing he is not is he is not very good covering in the middle of the field and teams kind of targeted that a lot last season. So slot receivers, Braxton Berrios, Tyree, oh, okay. they're going to attack his zone when they go zone. And if they go man, then they're going to run rub routes, mesh concepts and get open. So this is a spot where it's going to come down to him being great on the Chargers defense. I have no worries about Derwin James, J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel playing up to par. It's just a really tough matchup overall. I think the over-under is a great one. I think that's a 51, very yeah. like 27-24 type ball game is kind of where I see this game and where I see the Dolphins actually coming up top with Tua just because of this certain love I have for Vic Fangio. 
Mm-hmm. The fact that I think the Chargers are going to target down the field, and Vic Vangio wants you to do that. Yeah, that's where turnovers can happen and things can go. I still think Herbert's going to be great in this game. I think that their offense is so much better than last year um, because of the play calling. But I think this is a spot where Miami Dolphins show they have a top top tier defense, and even without Jalen Ramsey, they're capable of getting it done. So, with that being said. Is this a bit of a trap game for DFS? Because it feels like one that's going to be heavily stacked. I yeah. can see people going after Tua, going after Herbert, and obviously stacking it heavily with the receivers. Um, but it sounds like maybe you're not expecting a full-blown shootout like some may with this 51-point over-under. You think it may be a little bit closer to some degree, and we don't see the fireworks that people may be expecting. And I'm assuming, of course, the salaries for all these guys would be astronomically high with the total, with yeah. the expected fireworks, and obviously the high-end players on both sides. Um, you're already talking about how you're probably fading Austin Eckler, but it sounds like this could be a bit of a trap game from a DSF DFS perspective. Yeah, this can be a very popular game this week. It's going to be a game I'm continuing to dive into as deep as I possibly can. Um, the point total is healthy. Like you can take pieces from this game. This is why I'm stacking Joe Burrow, though, because I think that Joe Burrow is going to be able to out team total both of these teams in his matchup. And I think that the Browns Bengals can be more of a shootout than the Chargers Dolphins. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I think that you can target it in a multitude of ways. I don't think there's necessarily a right one as of now until I see where some of the rostership actually lies. All right, Jordan, before I get you out of here, because I know you have to run, we have to talk about Ray's Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants. We couldn't touch on every game, but we got to as many as we could. But I couldn't let you leave Without talking Cowboys and Giants, the Cowboys are three and a half point road favorites against Daniel Jones and the new look Giants. Man, you want to talk about teams looking good in preseason. The Giants are probably at the top of the list. Brian Dable has them humming. Mike McCarthy now running the show in Dallas on offense. They did bring in Brandon Cooks. They're without Zeke. We expect Tony Pollard to smash. We expect Saquon to smash. Everyone is hyped for Darren Waller, but Jordan, please talk to me through this game because it's only a 46 and a half point over under. So people aren't expecting a big game, not a ton of points, but I mean, NFC East showdown, super excited for it. How are you feeling about this game? I think we're going to see plenty of turnovers, man. I think this is a spot where bro, Wink Martindale getting Isaiah Simmons when he did and having enough time to like... He's going to send him in places that you've just never seen kind of happen. He's a 4-3 guy. He's extremely fast. And for the first time in his career, he has a defensive coordinator that's going to correctly place him. This is Martindale's guy. There's a lot of texts that have been kind of talked about with how excited Wink is to coach this dude. He's always wanted to, supposedly, I believe, that same draft class they took Patrick Queen with the Ravens. Obviously, Isaiah Simmons wasn't in their reach, but if they would have had him, I expect them to take. I would have expected them to take him. Um, Isaiah Simmons is a freak. Dexter Lawrence is a stud. Thibodeau is great. Like their secondary is where it's going to be the big plays. They're going to give up big plays. C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks are the two. Or C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup are the keys to victory for the Cowboys. Um, they're starting two rookie coordinators on the boundary. I expect a Dory to travel with CD lamb in the slot and probably travel most of the game with CD lamb, but Deontay banks. And I believe Jalen Hawkins, or I can't think of their other, uh, boundary corner at the moment, but both of those guys have to step up in this matchup and defend down the field. 
Michael Gallup hasn't looked like he's supposed to be. Obviously, yeah. coming off the torn ACL is tough, but this is year two. This could be the guy that we thought was going to be a great fantasy asset when they moved Amari Cooper. Um, but and in a spot where he's looking great, like this is a great opportunity for him to get it done down the field, beat his man one on one, find the sidelines. I think we're going to see turnovers. I think we're going to see getting stopped. I don't think this is a or I think this is a great spot to be Tony Pollard um, okay. from a pass catching perspective. I don't think Blake Ferguson or Jake Ferguson and um, some of the guys in the tight end room is going to have a great matchup just because they're going to be needed to block um, yeah. all the extra people coming. Um, so from that side of the ball, I think the Cowboys have to get the big play and they have to get Tony Pollard involved in the passing game. I don't think it's going to be a run game for him. I don't like the uh, Giants front. It's nasty. <laughs> um, but then on the flip side, Brian Dable versus Dan Quinn is going to be phenomenal. I can't mm. wait to see that chess piece of Darren Waller get moved around. I can only imagine how much he has planned for him. I think that Darren Waller is going to be heavily targeted, heavily looked at in this game. I think from a speed perspective, Jalen Hyatt doesn't need many snaps to get it going. And mm -hmm. in preseason, he can get it deep. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be able to keep like with the way that Brian Dable sets up his offense. I think he's going to get Jalen Hyatt in free releases. I think this is a really good spot for him to kind of win down the field. Jay or Darren Waller is a guy that can get a ton of targets in this one. I don't think this is a Saquon game at all. Um, just because, again, two defenses I'm in love with for this upcoming year. Cowboys, they struggled towards the end of the season because all their corners got hurt. But now they added Stefan Gilmore. So, like, on the perimeter, they're going to destroy... Darius All Lee and Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah. Like it's just it's not, not close. They're going to have to get it done with Darren Waller and they're going to have to get it done with a guy like Paris Campbell or Jalen Hyatt who don't win off of, you know, I guess like route running perspective. They win off just their speed and play design. So those are the ways that I would be thinking about this showdown slate, which I will be talking about throughout the week in the 33rd team discord. Yeah, man, it's going to be a, a fun game. But as you mentioned, it may be a little bit more lower scoring. I hope we see a few stacked alignments for Jalen Hyatt because it's hilarious how, you know, you watch him in college and then you see them implement the same thing in the NFL and boom, post corner touchdown. So easy. And he's celebrating in the end zone. And I think Dable's going to set up some looks for him. But Jordan, before you get out of here, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let the people know where they can find your work, whether it's written or video content, podcasts and everything else in between. You will be able to find all my work at the 33rdteam.com, my uh, main slate article where I go from stacks, mini stacks, to my player pool for the upcoming weekend will be posted on Saturdays. We will have a cover five show that is going to be me and Hilo um, breaking down five games from the DFS perspective and talking how we're going to be handling it. It's going to be three chalk games and then one game of each of us that we think should be looked at a little bit more. And then you will see a top plays article between me, Ryan, Josh, and Hilo that basically just gives you another little player pool from not just my perspective, but from other great minds over there. Um, catch me in the Discord sheet or streets. You can at me and ask me any DFS questions if you want. Just join the 3013 Discord. And again, all my work will be published on the website, but also through my Twitter at Jordan Vanek DFS. That is where you'll see me to talk about a ton of things and hint at, hey, this is a great stat. I just posted it in the Discord, so please join, please. Thank you so much, but I have to ask you one more question. Go for it. Monday Night Football, Bills, Jets. Who's going to win, Jordan? I got the Jets. 
What? You're taking the Jets? I Micah Hyde just got popped up on the injury report. I think Garrett Wilson's gonna be able to work them. I don't think it's gonna be a great I don't think you're gonna blow him out. Don't get me wrong. I think this is like a master class of Aaron Rodgers with Garrett Wilson to end the seat, like to end the drive to kick a game winning field goal. Like I think that's the type of victory. And I'll also say, not high on the Bills this year. Damn. Well, you heard it here first. Jordan Vanek, the Jets are winning the Super Bowl and the Bills not even gonna make the playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> That's not what I said. Come on. That's what it sounds like you said to me. It's what it's, it's what it sounds like you said. So, jeez, <laughs> oh, come on, George. You can't do that to me. I I didn't do anything to you. You did it to yourself. All right. This is what you said. Cool. This is what we're going. And clip it. We're out. San Francisco, where's your disco?